maximize every opportunity so that you can become you legend can become legendary. What adjustments can you make right now to make yourself one percent better? Your only goal is to be the best version of you. <laughs> Brian, welcome to Becoming Legendary. Special summer episode. Thanks, Patrick. It's good to be here, man. <laughs> happy happy summer to all those listeners out there. Yeah, happy summer. Nice to be here. Nice to be here, probably depending upon your climate, but I'll tell you where I am. Summer's a beautiful thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Arizona can be challenging at some points. In fact, before we recorded this podcast, I had to bump bump down my air conditioning two, <laughs> two, two degrees, which is, a, which is a big deal here in Arizona. Yeah, no doubt, man. No doubt. Um. All right, so we're just gonna bounce around on a few ideas, the top of our mind. Anything you want to get out of out of your your brain before we kick in? I think my brain is ready to go. <laughs> All right, so um, one of the things I've been thinking a ton about is the pending economic compression, uh, whatever that means, whether that is a recession or a depression or something worse <laughs> and um i want to kind of explain a couple of things about what has been released in company stock reports so quarterly yeah. reports for q1 mostly mm -hmm. um walmart target and kohl's all giant nationwide retailers basically had the same piece of of economic news, which was that they all had uh, profit compression based upon two factors. One, they were overstaffed, and two, consumers were spending less money. So uh, the, the, that to me seems like kind of worst case scenario for um, dreaming of a soft landing because what that is an indication of is that a lot of people are going to be out of jobs uh, in the very near future. And um, I, I think that what, what I'm finding interesting about this is that pretty much everyone I think can see this coming in some way or another, and no one is actually doing much of anything um, to do this. On top of that, we have, uh, a war going on in Ukraine, an area of the world that produces over 30% of the world's grain. Mm. And that is going to, and, and it can't ship. So that is going to have a significant inflationary cost on our food products. So we are going to have higher prices, consumers spending less money and people getting laid off in the very near future. Man, that seems like a triad of bad information coming our way. So I know you've been doing a lot of work across the great nation of America. And I'm curious, I'm curious if you've seen or felt any shifts yet in your experience there. Yeah, that's a good question. Um... So, so I've been doing a lot of phone calls, reaching out on behalf of, um, of Sacred Plant Company, um, spreading the word about um, our new, newly released um, wholesale bulk herb program that, that I'm in charge of. And, and I've been speaking to, I've called 25 states so far. So we're halfway through the United States. And um, I've noticed several different trends going on. Um, depending on you know, where the location is, we'll, we'll kind of leave the location um, you know, to be, to be determined, if you will. But depending on where I'm calling, there, there's, there's absolutely a, a noticeable shift in, number one, the, the amount of employees they have working there. So, so as Patrick mentioned, there, there's been a, um, there's going to be, you know, an overstaffing that, that has occurred um, throughout numerous markets or our whole country, really, or the whole world, maybe. Um, so with that overstaffing means that there's less people to, or means that there, there needs to be some, some down, some downshifting, right? So I've noticed a lack of, um, a lack of availability for decision makers. Um, and that's something that's, that, that's, that's kind of, kind of like brought my, brought my world around to, to this perspective, meaning that, 
that if the decision makers are busy doing other things, that they're, then they, they don't have the time or energy to spend on working in their specific place of business, right? So that might mean that there is an absolute shift coming, um, meaning that these people have to put their resources in other places, right, to, in order to make ends meet. So that's, that's one huge shift I've, I've been noticing is the decision makers not being available and the overstaffing um, as well. So those are, those, are two, those are two big pieces that I've noticed. And then lastly, the, the other piece that I've, that I've noticed, which has been rather interesting, is the fact or the, the number of businesses that seem to have reduced hours of operation. So when you go through searching for a different business on the internet, right, you can find their hours that they're open. And then they also have, um, they have the ability to change those hours. So you can even, you can even see what the hours were before the change happened. So I've been noticing that even some of these larger retailers in the business that we work in are lessening their hours, which means there's most certainly less demand, right? Which yeah, means there's sure. certainly... Um, overhead that they can't seem to meet with the um, or with that they're just not really trying to meet right because of because of the situation that they're in so that's super interesting as well I know Patrick um, we were having a conversation a few weeks ago about Amazon and that was a really interesting um, piece that I'd like to share as well so Amazon yeah. as we know is the number one retailer in the in the world um, they have started to sublet some of their warehouses correct yeah. and or yeah. close and or close their warehouses. Yeah. So I forgot so, all about that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so, so even, so it's like those days of placing an Amazon order at six 30 at night and having the package to be delivered at six 30 the next morning may be coming to an end um, simply because if they're closing warehouses, then that means again, the demand is going down. Yeah. So, and, and, and Patrick also mentioned too, something that I find interesting. Some people are in the game of, of like changing and, and shifting on, you know, depending on what's happening in their environment. And some people wait till it's the, the roof has been blown off. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, there's a mix of both happening in, in, in this world that, that we're speaking of towards. And, and I'm curious out there, the listeners, like, like what, like, this is an awareness that we're inviting you to bring into your world. Right. So how does these shifts that we're mentioning, are they affecting you? Or are they not affecting you? You know, it's just something that you can, you can sort of play around with in your, in your head. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, I certainly don't give financial advice, but no boy, I would like to, I would like to be in cash right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Wouldn't we all? <laughs> if I if I was if I was looking at my stock portfolio, I would like an awful lot of it to be cash right now. I think yeah. that you know, and and you look at the way um, I, I've talked about this before a little bit on the Invisible Path, but um, the way that I the way that I see the way that I see opportunity in life, right? So, so Brian and I have talked about this a little bit, like we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, like, okay, pending economic compression, you know, we're trying to manage, we're trying to manage um, a, a global business, right? How do we manage a global business while, uh, while consumerism is shrinking or, or consumers yeah. are, are less interested? Yeah. Um, and the thing that, the thing that I said out of that is, you know, every single, every single challenge presents an opportunity. So if, if you're looking at these indicators and you're seeing uh, all of the red lights blinking and you're seeing all of these uh, warning lights, what can you do to uh, maximize that opportunity, right? And, and it, it really depends a lot on where, where you are and what your awareness and knowledge is. But um, I do think that the stories out there that are telling you, oh, uh, look, we made it past, the stock market's up today. Mm. Um, those are traps. <laughs> those are financial traps that wanna get you excited about an opportunity but the opportunity is probably six to 12 to 24 months out right now. Um, we are, six months, is, it's not possible, right? We're not going to turn around a shrinking economy in six months. So if, if you're worried about the bottom, uh, we're not there yet. Like we, we haven't begun yet because the labor force hasn't been laid off yet. And that labor force layoff is, is coming. The, the, 
when 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 three massive some of the biggest retailers um, in our country come out and they say, oh, we had too much staff. Well, they're not going to tell you that next quarter. So, you know, <laughs> they're going to change that story before next quarter. So we're looking at a ton of layoffs this quarter. And um, I think that I think that is scary. And I also think that is a real opportunity if you if you find the way to make it an opportunity and you take the awareness of what you know right now today to be coming. And I think we know this is coming. Like, I, I don't think this is a question. I don't I, I don't I don't see the the bull debate here. I, I just it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. I mean, coming coming off of of a pandemic where where things only, you know, people's resources in a lot of not speaking of and this is not a broad you know assumption here. This is speaking on specific segments and people, but but their their incomes went up without doing a lot of very, people. A lot of people had had way more ask more more available income for sure. Hundred percent, and and I can yeah. speak for myself. The, my, my my taxes reflected that right from from the amount of money that we got back was far less less than any than any year we've had uh, prior. So um, so with that, whatever goes up must come down. So, so there's, and with that, with that flux, with that shift, you know, now is the opportunity to start the game plan because, you know, the, how many times in your life has the economy or has the stock market stayed the same or gone up Cons- like consecutive years, months, very rare, if ever. So um, this is just, this is just a time where you can start to prepare for the future, which is something that we like to think about a lot. And yeah. encourage encourage our friends and listeners to, <laughs> to listen to as well. Yeah, yeah. I really, I really do think that. Um, yeah, I I really believe you get a couple you get a couple of these financial historically uh, in yeah. America, you yeah. have gotten a couple of these opportunities in in a lifetime to uh, take advantage of a of a compressive financial space. Hmm. Uh, and I do say take advantage of it because the reality is if you know something, like if you know it's coming, it is an opportunity. Um, if it catches you by surprise, right? So my, my brother and I were talking about somebody who bought a very small house for a very large amount of money. Hmm. And um, we were talking about how somebody is going to be the very last person to buy a house in a housing market, right? Like somebody yeah. is going to buy at the very, very top. Yeah. And maybe it was that person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you don't want to be the person who buys at the very, yeah. very top, right? Like that, that is uh, a bad place to be, but somebody's going to be that. Hmm. So uh, you don't take advantage of the situation if you are that person. The situation takes advantage of you. But you don't you don't necessarily have to be that person either, right? There's an opportunity <laughs> to not be that person, and that's that's the goal of these of these times. Absolutely, absolutely. There's um. There's been there's been a there's been an interesting interesting theme going on too as well. Um, locally here, um, I'm, I'm in Arizona, and it's in the housing market has been going up for a couple of years now. Right. And now, about a decade now. Yeah. About a decade. Excuse me. Yeah. I missed those eight years. So eight, so, so 10 years, right. It's been going up and, 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 and you can, you can go on Zillow or you can, you can use those, those metrics that, that your realtor will, will give you about, um, about, about the, about your price or the house, how much your house is worth. Right. So recently ours was up, 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 up. And then it just started now to downtick just a little bit. And so those, those those metrics are are forecasters, right? They're, they're they're giving you information without telling you what they're giving you. So, um, and, and maybe this is this this is something that you don't need to hear, but but those but those type of of outreach in your community in, in your life, and and those type of metrics are are information you can use to to again prepare. Yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so get your money organized people. <laughs> I would say, yeah, do, do, yeah. do take a look at that. Take a look at what is the opportunity for you and, yes. and try to maximize that. Uh, I want to shift, I want to shift gears a little bit because 
I want to talk a little bit more about the the like devastating chat, the real true challenge behind the uh, employment situation, because there there's like a, a subwave of people that um, that some people are probably uh, highly aware of, some people are probably not that aware of, which is um, this the Great Resignation. Um, grouping right in, in a way it's a generation it's a bunch of people who decided that during the during covid during the pandemic there we go that um living a life in a terrible job in a terrible home in a terrible community wasn't worth it and instead of having a terrible job living in a terrible home they stopped they didn't work anymore. They decided to be homeless. Um, and that is like, whether or not you're still seeing that in the city you live in, that is a reality, right? Like you can, you can see places around the world that homeless populations have quadrupled, sextupled, whatever it is, right? And um, those people are no longer, because they are not applying for jobs, those people are not tallied into uh, the unemployment record. Uh, because they just drop off. I think it's after six months. It might be more than that. It might be less yeah. than that. I don't know. Yeah. But at a certain point, they're just dropped off the roll. So you have those people that no one's talking about. And then you're going to have another heaping of people that are now unemployed. And they, those people who become unemployed might also decide, you know what? I don't want to try to find another terrible job. I don't want to live in another terrible community. I don't want to live in another terrible renting situation where I can't afford to do it, right? The, the people in the pandemic mostly made the choice to just stop. These people may or may not have that same choice. And I think the challenging situation about that is we've created a society and not you or I, Brian, because we haven't had the opportunity to shape society yet, right? Like we're just coming to the age where we have the opportunity to shape society. Yes. But there's a generation, there's a generation of people that, are, that uh, preceded us, this baby boomer generation, that has our created parents, a, yeah. our, our parents for sure have created a situation uh, where it makes a lot of sense to drop out of society if you are on the bottom rung of the ladder, right? Because because paying all your money in rent, like working sixty hours a week, working eighty hours a week, and then spending all your money that you made working all those hours is a shitty life. That's the reality, right? And like, I don't use a lot of profanity on this podcast, but that's a shitty life. Um, and, and they've taken no responsibility for it. So I, I wanna, like, I, I tell you very quick, I was in a car with, with two people of the boomer generation and, and they're asking, you know, like why millennials don't wanna work and how fair that is. And I was like, well, it's, why would you expect that they would want to work when we pay, we don't pay them enough to make a living? They could never possibly dream of purchasing real estate that we've created a life for them that doesn't incentivize them to work. Why would you assume they would? Sure. And, and the boomer response was essentially like, no, they're just lazy. So I asked the question, I was like, you know, if you worked at a grocery store in 1980, the year I was born, you could support a family and buy a home. And they were like, no, that's not possible. That's not true. Oh, it's not true. The reality is if you got a job in 1980 and did your part, mm -hmm. you could live in this society. That is mm -hmm. true and a fact. And whether you're a boomer or not, that is a reality. Yeah. So, so, but this is where the real problem is. So then I was like, okay. They were like, no, that's not true. And I said, okay, what do you think the average home price was in 1980? And I think they said it was a hundred, they, they assumed it was 150,000. It was like 46,000. If it wasn't 46,000, it wasn't over 56,000. Sure. Average home price in 1980, yes. basically $50,000. You could work at a grocery store and buy a home and raise a family. And even when confronted with the fact that a home price in average was 19, I think it was, was $46,000, but let's say it's 50. Even when being confronted with that fact, both of them had the exact same response. Well, the home I bought in 1980 was $100,000, which is 
absolutely irrelevant to the conversation, yeah. right? Yeah. It does not matter what you spent on a home because this is the statistics of what it actually cost the average home consumer in 1980. The fact that you bought a home that was twice as expensive might be a good sign that you're out of touch. <laughs> yeah, it, might be, it might be you're in a different financial situation than the average person. But, yeah. but what has happened is boomers have, have been raised in a society where if they got a job and they worked, they could have basically whatever they wanted. Whatever they wanted. Sure. And now they think that is the reality for people getting into the workforce now, but it is not. Yeah. And until we make that a reality, I don't know why you would work. I, don't, I can't imagine going to work for someone knowing that I will never be able to catch up. And I don't mean catch up as in if it's a race. I just mean be able to catch up with your life so that you can enjoy it. Enjoy so that you sure. have enough time to enjoy your life. Because if you're working 60 to 80 hours a week and you're spending all your money just to live, you're not enjoying your life. That is a reality. There's, yeah. There's, so, so, let me, so let me jump in here just for a second. There, there was, yeah, there, there was. So I, have, so I have a group. I work, I work at Spirit of Yoga, as many of you know. I teach yoga there. Um, I have a few friends locally here who have made interesting transitions. And so what I mean by that is they were, we'll talk pre-pandemic and they were, you know, in a, let's say working in a restaurant, um, working in a good restaurant, making 50, 60 K a year, right. Doing, do, and then supplementing their other, um, income through either teaching yoga or other sort of, um, applications around the healing arts, um, community. Yeah. And so a, a few of these people have decided to step away from, from society, not, yeah. but, but they did, they did not step away with the idea of not contributing, but they stepped away with the idea of not contributing to the game that they were forced to being played, which is the, 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 the game that Patrick so eloquently just, just described. Right. So what they've done is they've downsized. They've moved in with roommates. Mm -hmm. They've sold their cars. Mm -hmm. They've moved closer to their place of business so they can walk they have sold away, you know, not all of their possessions, but anything that they don't need in order yeah. to simply have some sort of flexibility and some sort of availability to enjoy their life. Yeah. Right. So, so I found that very interesting. They, they are sick and tired of, of the trap, if you will, or again, of the game that, that they were being forced to play. So as soon as the pricing for everything started to go up and they started to make the same amount of money, like mm -hmm. that was a problem. So mm -hmm. the only way that they figured out to survive would have some sort of pleasure of, of their day-to-day -day life outside of the work is to downsize. And yeah. so, and so, and so that, that in and of itself creates a lot of different things, right? For, the, for these specific people I'm talking about, a lot of times their, their happiness has increased, right? By, by, by shifting the way that they live their life so drastically, their happiness has increased because they have more flexibility to do things. Um, but, but there was a cost for that. There was, you know, it, there's, a, there's a cost benefit for this, right? That, that's happening. They do also miss having a car. They do also yeah. miss the flexibility of taking a plane, plane ride to, to visit their family in another state or whatever it may be. So there's, so there's, a, there's an absolute... There's just there's this huge mind uh, shift shift of the way people look at things, right? And and the way and there's less and less people willing to step out of their or willing to less and less people willing to give up on their on their beliefs and their and their aspirations. And but but they, but in order to do that, they have to switch gears. So so it's like this huge paradox that we're living in that 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 is that is very abundantly clear in the community that I, that, I, that I'm closest to here in town. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So this is this is a good this is a good um, leap into a topic that I had no idea we were going to get into today, but we're going to get into this idea. I hate when he does this to me. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. So um, so this there, there there is along this along with this idea that. Um, Millennials are lazy because they don't want to work terrible jobs. Um, there is a hmm, 
there's a, there's a, a, a related, a sister idea that a universal basic income would make mm. people lazy. Mm. And um, I actually have a solution for a universal basic income for everyone on the planet that is pretty darn easy to get to. Um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay that out in a second, but first I just wanna, I just wanna talk about universal basic income. Um, because it, there's this there's this idea that if if everyone got fifteen hundred dollars a month, no one would work. And man, that that is just one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life. Because um, have have you ever in your life been like, yeah, I have enough money. I guess I'm just gonna do nothing now. And if you have, that's rad. Like, I would yeah. love to get to that point. Like, that's <laughs> like, if it doesn't matter if the amount of money is high, right? Because we, we know the richest people on the planet work the hardest. They don't stop working because they have two, $2 billion in cash sitting in their house and another $70 billion in the bank, right? Like, it's an, it's an insane idea that anyone, that's not true people would do it. There are people mm. that would do it. Mm. It's an insane idea that the people that would do it aren't the people who are not getting a job now and are just going out and stealing $1,500 <laughs> worth of stuff from people sure. so that they can, so they can sell it at the pawn shop yep. and freaking make $150, right? Like those people would just not go out and steal anymore. Lazy people aren't going to get a job and like contribute in a way that's going to impact society. That is just a fact. So why not make their life easier? Who gives mm. a shit? Mm. Um, so the, yeah, there, there's just this like, it is such a, it's the exact same argument as, uh, as millennials are lazy because they don't want to work terrible jobs that will never get them ahead. And I can't understand it because when I got my terrible job, I was able to buy a home. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, yeah that's kind yeah. of the point, bro. <laughs> right, that's exactly right. Exactly the point. Exactly. Um, Let me share a personal story on this real yeah, quick. Please. please. Yes. Yeah, so, so back when my, my mother passed away, and I've told this story a lot of times, but my mother passed away in 2012, and um, and so I have I was coming off of about six years in New York City, um, working and earning an exorbitant amount of money. Um, that I'm very proud of, uh, but, but also, um, it was, it was, a, it was an amount of money that I didn't quite understand, um, what to do with. So when my mother passed away in 2012. I had talked to, um, to our accountant, our, our tax guy, basically. And I had him develop basically a retirement program for me where the amount of money I made we had listed out or, or built out over the course of the next 50 years. So that would have brought me to about 80 years old. And they broke down that I would have a monthly installment of X amount of dollars. And I would place that that seemed like a pretty, pretty gosh darn good idea. I, I was not motivated to do much of anything. <clears throat> um, simply because of the, of the tragedy of, of the, the loss of my mother I was lost in a space that, that was just super strange. But I had figured out that I could do nothing, literally mm -hmm. sit on my couch, watch TV from 7 a.m. until 7 p.m., do nothing for the rest of my life, not have to worry about a single thing. And that got old in about a week, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Now, did I still sit on that couch for longer than a week and do nothing? Yes, I certainly did. I'm guilty of that as charged. But there was a there was a universal momentum that I felt driving me to get up off of my butt and go out and contribute to the world. Mm. Whatever that may be. Whatever would I didn't I didn't know what that was going to look like. But but what I'm trying to say is that if you are of sane mind and of a willing and open participant in this game of life that we are so beautifully gifted to live in, you will not sit on your, on your butt for $1,500 a month and do nothing. It's not mm -hmm. possible. We're mm -hmm. not, we're not born like that as human beings. We aren't there. Like I, like I said, to, we're talking about universal 
income, there's a universal momentum that exists in this world. And you have a choice. You can either be a part of it or you can be a, or you can be a bystander and look and look into it. And I was mm -hmm. looking into it. All I could see and notice was people having a whole heck of a lot of fun. By, yeah. and, and that is, that's a, that's a, that's a tangible, it's one of the main principles that Patrick and I talk about all the times. How can we make whatever we're doing fun? Mm -hmm. So, so you don't have to look at like a job, even if it's, even if it's the worst case scenario, I've been in shitty jobs before. There, 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 there is the invitation there to, to be a professional in what you're doing, even if it's even if you're bagging groceries or if you're putting together kits in an assembly line or whatever the job is that you discuss or, or despise of that you've ever done before. There is an invitation to try to find a thread of fun in there. Can, can it just be simply that you're alive, breathing, talking, interacting like and in having this experience? Can that simply be enough for you? Um, so that's really I love this idea of the universal universal income. I, I, and I and, and there's for people who, who think that $1,500 a month will give you, give you permission to do nothing, they're insane. They're, they're right now, they're wanting you to do nothing because whatever you do in exchange of doing nothing is going to affect whatever the heck they're doing. So there's like an incentive or like a, a, a reason behind those words. People are, people are, people are, are People like separation. They, they like to be, be better than you or like to think about themselves in a better light than you. So, so they're, 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 they're doing these things, right, to, to, to create separation, to create this. They would rather this, you be worse yes. than they be better. Right? Yeah, like yeah. People, people get much more joy out of knowing your life is worse than theirs yes. than they do out of making their life better. 100%. <laughs> turn on the news. I mean, turn on, read the newspaper, turn on the basic channel or cable channel and listen to this rhetoric that they're trying to say. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my own experience that, that I felt. Um, and, 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 and we all have days, right? We all have days where where you don't want to do anything or you, you think about, God, if I just didn't have to go to work today, if I just didn't, you know, all these things that come up, like, but, but you can also know in the back of your mind that man, whatever situation you're in, it's a heck of a lot better than, than the homeless population that, that we were referring to earlier. Right. So see, I don't know if it is. I think yeah. that's my point. My okay. point is if you live in an apartment that's infested with cockroaches and yeah. you and you pay all you pay 80% of your monthly income to live there and then your the rest of your 20% is just there to, for you to survive for you to get back and forth to your work and buy food why why would you why would you want to do that why would you want to do that 10 hours a week yeah. you could you could go be homeless and have a better life because you're not in you're not indebted to anyone yeah. I, I think that the reality is we have made life better. Being homeless has been made better than a lot of people were living. And that, that, is, the rea that is the reality and the problem. In, yeah, in, in a nutshell, <laughs> to, be, to be fair. And like, there's, it's very interesting. I, I've noticed um, a few people in, in my community here locally that, that, that I just, that I, that I recognized working in local establishments that are no longer working in those local establishments. They're on the street, homeless. Yeah. And it's, it's for the exact reason that Patrick just mentioned. Um, it has to be um, because they were, they were they, from what I could tell, they, they were functioning, contributing people to society that just got sick and tired of living in that, in that check to check mentality. Okay, so there's, so there's this, to go back to, to UBI, um, there's this, there's this thing that I'm, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure is true, but it may not be true. I've never looked it up, but I did hear a thing <laughs> that uh, Benjamin Franklin, when he died, put all of his um, cash into a, a trust, basically. And the trust earned compounding interest for 100 or 200 years, maybe 300 years. I don't know, some amount of time. But what, what ended up happening is Benjamin Franklin ended up donating like $10 million to the city of Philadelphia through this trust, which is um, something that would have been impossible for Benjamin Franklin to do in his time because $10 million was more than anyone could even imagine would have existed. 
don't know if that's true or not either. But I would have been, been certainly more money than Benjamin Franklin was capable of donating to the city of Philadelphia. It sounds accurate. <laughs> um, and, and utilizing that logic, I realized that we could create essentially infinite money, more, more money than um, could possibly exist. And that got me thinking, um, how do we do that? So, so I came up with this super, very simple, very basic idea, but I can't find a single problem in it. So I want, I want you, Ryan, to try to find a problem in this plan. So this plan requires a million people donating $1,000 when they die, right? So you, you get about a billion dollars to start with. And $1,000 out of a million people, right? There's 300 million people in the United States alone. This is, a, this is for a global universal basic income. So you take um, a million people who donate $1,000 when they die. When they die, they have no use for that $1,000. That $1,000 is, is basically gone. That $1,000 is gone. It's passing it on to the next generation isn't going to change their lives. It's just a waste. So can you... Can you find a million people to donate a thousand dollars when they die? Or you don't have to wait till you die, but I just think it's really easy. Like if someone said, "Hey, would you? If you had a chance to save the humanity on mm. this planet, mm. would you donate a thousand dollars when you die?" I'd probably be like, "Yeah, I think that's pretty good. A pretty good plan." Um, what a legacy to leave! Yeah, that's a, that's right. Yeah, why, why not do that? All right. So you start with a billion dollars. You put it in a fund. You, you need to create roughly seven to 12% uh, reoccurring, reoccurring revenue um, on an interest level. Should not be hard with a billion dollars. And then you just wait. You wait for 350 years and you end up with uh, like five quadrillion dollars, more money than exists. So the problem then is, right, if, if you somehow create five quadrillion dollars, how is it not corrupted? And I think basically you only need one policy, which is this money can be distributed when it gets to this amount, right? Enough that you, enough that you can provide a consistent return, recurring um, revenue stream in the form of interest, plus enough to distribute globally. But distribu distribution has to, has to benefit every single human on the planet equally. And as long as you, as long as that policy has never changed, right? This can be distributed when it has this much and when, when, it, can, when it can sustain itself and it benefits every single human on the planet equally, I don't see how anyone can corrupt it. Um, the, the, I think the initial challenges that most people come up with are, well, how would you distribute something globally? My point of that would be, why would I try to predict global distribution of anything 350 years in the future? Somebody else is going to have to figure that out because mm -hmm. I can't possibly foresee how distribution of uh, digital assets will be occurring 350 years in the future. Because if you asked me in 1980 to predict computers, I would have done it. That we were having this phone call right now <laughs> on a computer. I would have done a pretty bad job of that. Now, I was a baby, but I bet you a lot of people would have done a pretty bad job of that too. So, um, but we have all of these things coming, right? Like there, there are blockchain transactions that can allow these things to happen. There are, there are uh, alternative assets that could be utilized to get around any type of blockage, right? Because what, what would what would be one of the problems is that a government could say, no, we're not going to do this. But right. instead of that, you, you go outside, right? So yeah. we already have lots of currencies, currencies going outside of, um, outside of government currencies. The problem with the currencies that go outside of um, government currencies is not enough people to use them so you basically, they're basically useless. You have to turn them back into real money before you can actually spend them. But if everyone on the planet was given the same currency and everyone said, okay, well, we just got $1,000 of this currency now, we can start to have our own, our own global economy that is self-funded and self-supportive of every human being on the planet.
Now, maybe that's a real problem because maybe we, what we actually need for the planet itself is less human beings and mm. saving human beings is actually the worst possible thing we could do. I can hear that argument, mm-hmm. but I, <laughs> I can't hear an argument. Well, I can't hear an argument. I just haven't heard one that, that creates a problem within this plan because um, it is very simple. It is very basic. And the only thing it does, the only thing it requires is um, selflessness. Because mm. when you donate your thousand dollars, whether you donate it when you're one years old or on the day you pass away, it will not benefit you, right? This is something that will benefit humans 350 years in the future. And it's the the only reason that I can think of that this doesn't happen is because mm-hmm. nobody is willing yes. to think about 350 years in the future or, or nobody's willing to sacrifice for people that they will never meet. That's, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so a couple of questions. Yeah. So is, does everybody get the thousand dollars in 350 years in the, in the world? Every human, every being that's alive, no matter what the age is, no matter what their... You don't know what the distribution number would be. But correct. Yes, everyone but correct. Gets, Theoretically. Every being on the planet benefits equally. Okay. My, the, my, the, my next question was going to be, you kind of answered it, but why wait 350 years? Because and now, and now I understand why, because of the selfishness piece, right? So there's got to be some form of evolution that, that of, 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 of beings and in, in, in of, of the way that we look at the world, the way that we interact with other beings yeah. in order for this to happen, because of the selfishness, if this segmentation and, and I'm better than you, all that stuff is continues on. There's no way in heck this is going to ever work. Right. So, so you're up, you're up against that shift. So, so the biggest obstacle I would, I would think that to, that you have to come up with is, is how do we then train or educate people on the, on this, on this idea is because we have, well, we have 350 years to do that, but there's, that would be my main question or my, my main argument. So, I I will say I didn't do a very good job of explaining the the requirement of how the money expands. So you take a billion dollars and and you you utilize the power of compounding interest, right? Like mm. it is very it is very important to understand the compounding interest piece of this. And if you if you get out a calculator and you start punching in compounding or you punch in compounding interest calculator into Google, you can very quickly see how time and compounding interest um, have an exponential curve of, of increase. So the reason you have to wait 350 years is because mm. the way the way that the interest occurs is that a huge portion of it, 80, 70 to 80% of it happened in the last like 50 years. Because the the number as as the as the net is the as the nest of uh, I, there's a word that is just blanking on me, but let's say let's say that the account itself expands, the interest on that account expands in an equal proportion, right? So ten percent, ten percent of the number keeps getting exponentially bigger each year, and that that is um, that is the really important part. So it does take time. I just I. It doesn't really, like, I don't, I don't really, I don't care. Um, you don't need to convince the world of this. You need to convince a million people of this. There's seven and a half billion people on the planet. Mm. So um, the Start reality is, the reality is you don't need, you don't need a lot of people to actually do this. This just seems so simple and so easy. Um that's, but but it also takes someone like someone's um, someone will have to dedicate their life to making this happen, right? Like it is simple and easy, and the fact that it changes the potential outcome of humanity and and things that do that, I don't think are necessarily all, often thought of as simple or easy. But it also requires a lot of energy. Because it, it, is, it is an energetic process to get a million people to buy into something like this. It is an energetic process, even though the cost individually is ridiculously small, right? Um, and the reality is, if you could get 10 million people to do this, you, it gets there a lot quicker, right? So if you start with a bigger number, your numbers start compounding quicker. Your numbers start getting larger in the compounding quicker. Um, yeah, so I, I I just feel like 
a million people is such a small amount of people. It, it is, yeah. There's, there's something that I'm thinking about too here. So if you take, if you take a million people, right? So then you have a million different, let's quote, let's say families after that, right? Mm-hmm. So what I'm thinking about then, here's my argument is that if you, if you, if I don't know how many generations that is in, in 350 years, but say there's a generation every 50 years. So mm-hmm. do 50 divided, whatever that, I don't have it here as a calculator. Um, 20 years. Th- thank you. So, so you're looking at 20 different generations then ish. Mm-hmm. So if there's a bad apple or a bad egg in those 20 generations, that person or that person's is going to conspire to take that money or to do something nefarious with that money. Um, so, so there's, there's well, gotta they be, Ryan. they don't have, they don't have access to that money. That money be gone. You donate your thousand dollars. It's gone. You don't get to touch that money again. Okay. Got it. Got it. That okay. money be gone. You gave that thousand dollars <laughs> away. It lives in a trust now. Yeah, that's fair. So then, so then, my, then my next argument would be then who's controlling the trust? Do you have one person? Do you have these million people? Or well, just have to... people definitely aren't. No. So, no. so you, you have to have a grouping of people um, and a framework of, and a framework and a chain of command, right? There has yeah. to be a way to continually pass that down. Something but, set up. Yeah. But the reality is those people will play ridiculously important, important pieces in the future. Of course. But it's a long time in the future because you yeah. don't need to worry about any of the problems until you actually have the funds. And the funds are, are basically just going to sit there with mm. no one doing much of anything mm. for 300 plus years. Yeah. Right. So there is, there is essentially nothing to do. Mm. And the only rule that cannot be changed, right, is the rule that is important is it has to benefit everyone on the planet equally. That is a requirement. It has to reach this much and it has to, it has to benefit everyone on the planet equally. And as long as those things cannot be changed, right? It's, it's, um, I'm sure there's a way to corrupt it. There always yeah, is. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Sure. But that makes it real hard. Yeah. It that does. makes it real, real hard. It does. It does. Or if something, or if something like a major catastrophe happened where we had, where we, there was like the only money left on the earth and we had to use that to, <laughs> I, I'm coming up with crazy ideas here, but I'm, but I'm trying to argue against this, <laughs> this, this idea. So Wait, hold on, Brian, hold on. So bear with me. So there's a, there's a hurricane. Yeah. So, and then, so th- and then money's going to be the thing. Well, 349 years from now, right? Right. Yeah. Soon as this is about to happen. Yeah. A, a meteor hits yeah. some some portion of our ocean and causes yeah. the entire western portion of the United States, all the way from California to Mississippi, to be underwater. Yeah. So, but we do have technology that that is able to 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 free some of that water up in some some capacity. So I'm I'm just kind of making things up right now, but but I'm, but I'm playing devil's advocate, right? So I so I think there there's going to so be I a, think there's gonna... there is an there there's one argument which is how do I know humanity is going to be around in 350 that too. years? That's too. And you don't, but who cares? Yeah. The thousand dollars, like it's not going to matter. Why do yeah. I don't understand what, so my point would be if money doesn't matter, you, you didn't lose anything. It doesn't, there, there is no, the downside is a thousand dollars, right? So I, I just don't view a thousand dollars at the end of your life as a downside. I, I just, there, I don't see, even if you lit it on fire, even if you had a thousand dollars next to you that you lit on fire, like what is the actual impact of that going to be? It's essentially nothing. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Other than, yeah, no, it is nothing. Hm. Yeah. I mean, you would create a little bit of, uh, you create a little bit of carbon. Yeah. <laughs> if you lit it on fire, that's about the impact. It's about the impact. Sure. Interesting. Looks like we got some work to do. <laughs> Actually, I want, no, I want no part of this responsibility. So <laughs> that's an interesting one. I'm going to have to think on that a few more, a few more times. Cause that's a, that's a pretty solid argument on your behalf. And I yeah, don't see- I'd, I'd love to hear anybody who has um, problems on it. Um, anything you can come up with. I will say that if your problem is, how are you going to do this 350 years in the future? My answer is going to be the same. 
I don't know. I'm not trying to predict how things are going to be done 350 years in the future. I'm just saying I want there to be a global funding for all of humanity to have access to equally. Equally. That's it. <laughs> you figure out the details. It sounds pretty damn simple to me. <laughs> it, I mean, the, there are lots of details. It's yeah. just that it's crazy to try to predict 350 years in the future. Sure. And the, the, but the underlying theme of the entire idea is one that is one that I can absolutely stand on is the fact that a thousand dollars for a million people is absolutely nothing. I mean, for, for, you could come up with 700 billion people. Is that million people on the earth, right? Million. Um, seven, there are 7.5 billion people. Billion, roughly. excuse me. So, so. I mean, there's, so that's, there's way more than a million people who have a thousand dollars just laying around that they could, e could easily contribute that to. So, you know, there's and even- And there's a lot of people who could yeah. donate a lot more than more, that, right? hundred percent. I was like, just thinking that. A lot of people yeah. have a million dollars that yeah. they, they could light on fire in the same way that you or I could light a thousand dollars on fire, right? A lot sure. of people have a hundred thousand dollars that they could light on fire and it wouldn't make a difference to them. A lot of people have a billion dollars they could light on fire yeah. and it wouldn't make a difference to them. Oh, a hundred percent. I know. But the you, billionaires are not going to participate in this. I will guarantee you that. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're not worried about that. Exactly right. Huh. Interesting. That one's got me thinking, man. That's why I appreciate you. You're one of the reasons. Well, I like to hear, man. We, we, hopefully everybody, everybody's thinking. Anybody who has questions on this, reach out to us. And we'll catch you sometime later in the summer. How about that? Sounds fair to me. <laughs> <laughs> any final thoughts from you brian you know this one was completely random and i and i enjoyed the randomness of it and i enjoyed i enjoyed um these little nuggets that we kind of discovered along the way there's always something out there to think about because if you aren't thinking about because if, if, if you aren't thinking about a lot of things or maybe you're thinking about too much stuff Right. So the invitation is to separate yourself from your thoughts a little bit more and, and figure out some ways that you can get some interesting information that helps question your own paradigm of thinking. That's that's what I think we did here today, because I'm all going to go do some research on universal income now. <laughs> <laughs> I agree, man. All, all the good stuff. Yes, sir. Appreciate the heck out of you, man. Me too, brother. Chat with you soon.